look back at some of my own photos from a long time ago. I look back and I realize how many composition mistakes I really was making. I'm guessing if you guys are a little bit newer to landscape photography, or even if you've been around for a while, um, you're probably making a few of these mistakes. So let me help you get out of making these mistakes and help you guys to take some better photos. That's what we're talking about in today's episode. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Learn Landscape Photography Podcast. We're now in the second week of 2024. Hope you guys had a great start to the year. Um, and we're going to keep on pushing through and keep going uh, on our journey to create better photos. And I'm here to help you guys in that journey. I really want to help you to avoid a lot of the common pitfalls that I fell into that I see a lot of other photographers falling into. So by listening to the podcast, I really hope that I can help you guys in order to do that. I did want to just briefly mention, if you didn't know, if you're a podcast listener and you haven't checked out my YouTube channel, I've got tons of other learning content on YouTube. Obviously, that's a little bit different kind of learning, more visual, uh, whereas this is more audible or audit whatever, whatever you want to say, you know what I mean? Uh, this is, you're listening to me as opposed to seeing me. So if you learn visually, uh, my YouTube channel is a great place to be as well. Just search Austin James Jackson or Austin Jackson photography, anything like that. You'll find me on YouTube. I've got a lot of good stuff on there. So, uh, do check that out. Um, when it comes to today's episode, we are talking about a lot of mistakes, uh, five in particular that I see all the time, people making composition mistakes. Now I am no, um, almighty King here. I have made these mistakes and I probably have made them, uh, quite a few more times than you have, if you are making these mistakes. Um, but I've kind of overcame these mistakes as I've continued to hone my craft. When I look back on my work, kind of cringe a little bit. Cause I'm like, man, what was I thinking? Um, but I, uh, nonetheless, I've kind of, I think figured out some of these mistakes and I guarantee you, I'm still making mistakes right now that five years down the road, I'll look back and wonder what I was doing, but let me help you guys out. I want to tell you guys about five different mistakes, um, that I see people making all the time when it comes to compositions. We're going to release an episode a little bit later in a few weeks covering editing mistakes. But in today's episode, we are going to talk about composition mistakes. So let's not waste any more time. Here's my conversation with myself covering five of the most common composition mistakes that I see photographers making. So I see this first mistake all the time for landscape photographers, and it's that you're not using the right focal length for the conditions that are present. You know, if there's blue skies out there, don't throw on your wide angle and capture scene that's not interesting. You need to be capturing things that are interesting if you want to create truly compelling photos. When the skies are blue, I like to look for the light with my telephoto lens. So I'm zooming in, I'm looking around for where the sunlight's hitting. Usually I'm doing this around golden hour, so I'm looking for that little sliver of light hitting somewhere on my composition. Um, and then when you do get those great sunsets, that's when you can look to your wide angle. But I see so many landscape photographers that are married to their wide angle lens. They're obsessed. Everything they shoot is wide angle. Now, I certainly made that mistake uh, when I first started landscape photography. Everything I shot was wide angle. Everything I shot was vertical. Um, and because I wanted it to look good on Instagram. And so I wasn't really paying attention to the right focal length 
And I also wasn't really paying attention to maybe the best aspect ratio. Um, I shot a lot in vertical. Now, when I look at my work, I don't shoot at all for Instagram. I just kind of shoot for um, whatever I think looks best. And I'd say probably eight out of every 10 photos, I guess four out of every five photos, uh, to simplify that a little bit, um, is probably horizontal. And I'm probably shooting four out of every five photos also with my telephoto lens. So I'm really, really leaning into using that longer focal length to find things that are, um, find that really great light in my scene. Now I totally get it. There's a lot of you guys, you know, you're traveling to a new location and the, the wide landscape just shows the, the landscape a little bit better. It shows the location, you know, if I'm at Bryce King in a telephoto shot of one of the hoodoos that I might take in the winter, it doesn't really show what Bryce King is like. I mean, it shows a little kind of a snippet of Bryce King, but the wide angle shot I understand shows off the actual landscape. So if you're, if you don't really care about getting photos that are super, super compelling and you don't care about getting portfolio worthy images, by all means shoot that wide angle shot. Um, and I, I mean, if you do care about it, but you still want to get that wide angle shot as well, just grab the wide angle shot real quickly and then switch over to the telephoto. I cannot tell you guys how much in my, now, of course, this is all subjective to your own opinion, but in my opinion, my photography has improved tenfold since I've started using my telephoto lens and I've become obsessed with using the telephoto lens. It pretty much always lives on my camera. Like I said, I love getting those wide angle shots, but the conditions just don't always uh, present themselves for that wide angle shot. Um, it's a lot easier at night to get those wide angle shots because obviously you're looking for clear skies. It's a lot easier to predict clear skies than great light. Um, so I probably use my wide angles at night more than anything else, but I love my telephoto, um, for finding that right focal length for the conditions that are present. And it's just so much easier to find great shots with that telephoto focal length. So if you don't have a telephoto, I really would recommend picking one up. You don't have to spend a lot of money on it. Don't buy the like G master or the, whatever they call the Canon and the Nikon lenses that are like the premium tier, the F 2.8. You don't need that. Literally get, spend like 800 to a thousand dollars, which that sounds like a lot, but I mean, compared to some of the F 2.8 telephotos that are 2,500 or $3,000, that's not too bad. I personally use a 70 to 300. It's a Sony lens. Um, Tamron has like a 100 to 400 or 500 or something like that. If I was going to buy a different lens or buy a new lens, I would probably get that one instead. So if you're a Sony shooter, do check out that Tamron stuff. They've got some cheaper stuff that's great quality, but it's off brand. It's, it's Tamron. It's not Sony. So it's a little bit cheaper, but look at getting, um, a telephoto lens. If you don't have one, if you're just shooting with a wide angle, seriously, I think you'll be able to find, uh, some more compelling compositions with that focal length. Um, and that's not to say you're never going to use your wide angle again, but save that wide angle for when the conditions are just absolutely nuclear. And there's just something absolutely incredible happening and the whole landscape is really cool. It leads in really well to mistake number two that I see all the time. And that mistake is including uninteresting things in the composition. Now, when you hear me say this, you're probably like, obviously, duh, I'm not going to include something uninteresting in the composition, but I see it all the time. Um, one example that I have, I know a lot of my podcast listeners here are from the West coast. A lot of people from Oregon, Washington, California. A lot of you guys have traveled through that area if you're not from that area. So the big example uh, that I have in my Lightroom catalog that I always show a lot of my clients 
is think about if you've ever been to the beaches at Bandon. Now, Bandon, Oregon, there's some beautiful sea stacks uh, called Wizard Hat is is one of the main names of the really nice to photograph sea stacks. Look it up on Google if you haven't heard of it. Now, Wizard Hat is really cool. The subject is is fantastic. It's this really cool sea stack that looks like a wizard hat. It's like really craggy and uh, just looks really great for photos. Now, when you go there, you might be surprised when you find out that there's actually a rock that's five times, if not 10 times the size of Wizard Hat right next to it. Now, I swear we're all going to come full circle here, so bear with me. So there's this rock right next to it that's 10 times the size. Now, if you shoot with a really wide angle and you get and you're too far back, that huge rock is in your photo and it is 10 times the size, like I said, of wizard hat. So it really diminishes how cool wizard hat looks because it just looks like a little rock. Now, what you want to do is actually move in front of that rock, which depending on the tide, that can be difficult. If the tide is high, you might have to just sit back and use a telephoto lens in order to get rid of that uninteresting rock in your composition. Now, the rock is 10 times bigger, but bigger doesn't always mean better. Wizard hat is 10 times cooler because it's very rugged and there's sharp points and it just looks really cool. This big rock is just like a big circular, like boulder round rock kind of. It's not interesting. So point being, don't include that kind of thing in your composition. If it's uninteresting, find a different way to compose the image where you don't have to have that in your scene. So Always think about that. Always think about including only interesting things in your composition. Like I mentioned before uh, with the blue sky thing, don't shoot that blue sky and have a bunch of blue sky in your frame. Blue sky is boring. Um, I personally don't like to have blue sky in my photos. So if it's a blue sky sunset, I'm going to throw on my telephoto and do something else because I don't want to include that uninteresting blue sky in the frame. You can see how this intertwines really closely with that first mistake of not using the right focal length. Additionally, in my work personally, and you definitely don't have to agree, but I'm always looking for simplicity. More is not always better. In fact, for me, I'm looking for less. I'm looking for compositions that are simple. If you look through my portfolio from this past year in Utah, you may have noticed I've been like trying to find things that really stand out on their own. I'm finding like singular trees growing in rocks that I can capture where there's just not a lot of detail around the tree. It's just a tree. I had this problem when I started my landscape photography, and I think a lot of people do, is that they always think more is better, more is better, more is better, more is better. I want more plants, more flowers, more sunset, more, you know, more X, Y, Z. And the problem is eventually more adds to the clutter. You don't want clutter in your images. You want your image to be very clear what your subject is, and you want everything around it to be supporting cast. Now, the one thing about fog, a lot of photographers, like if you go up to Mount Rainier in the summertime for like a week, you're guaranteed you're going to get some foggy days. And this has happened on my workshops a couple of times. You know, I lead a workshop every summer up there and we'll have like a day or two or morning or two where it's foggy and people are like bummed. They're like, ah, oh, man, I really wanted to shoot the mountain. And like, I understand. I, I want to shoot the mountain too. I love to see the mountain, but you're like by having kind of a crummy attitude, I guess, which usually people don't on my workshop, but I know people that are up there by themselves, they're super bummed and they don't want to go out and shoot. You miss out on an opportunity, which fog is incredible. Is an incredible time to shoot if you're a landscape photographer, because the best thing about the fog is it reduces the clutter in your scene. If you're shooting in a busy forest, you know, you've got ferns, you've got bushes, trees, plants, yada, 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 yada. 
the fog helps to mask those things. It helps to cover those things up. So it reduces the cluttering you're seeing. So just things like this, think about, just think about things like this of, of don't include uninteresting things in your composition. Look for simplicity, try and reduce the clutter as much as possible in your image. That's going to help you in order to produce the most compelling image. Now, composition mistake number three is something that I think probably affects almost everybody at some point in their photography career. And if you've been on my workshops before, I apologize because I've hammered this into you so hard that I know you're going to be like, oh my gosh, not this again. But the one mistake here is that you are not paying enough attention to the edges of your frame. You need to pay so much attention to the edges of your frame, which may seem stupid because you're thinking, you know, why would I need to pay attention to the edges of my frame? The subject is in the center of the frame. The thing is that every single thing, every single thing in your image should add value or it shouldn't be there. The worst thing about, and, and I teach this on my Southern Oregon coast workshop a lot. There's one particular beach that we generally will go the first night of my workshop and there's sea stacks in the ocean. Um, and there's a way to compose the scene that probably 90% of people that come on my workshop, they compose it. And I always show them, Hey, try this instead. And usually people agree with me. There's a way that people compose it where it makes sense. But on the right side of the frame, there's a C stack that's partially cut off. It's, it's in the distance. It's far away, but I always tell people, Hey, slightly move your camera to the left, cut that C stack totally out hundred percent or aim your camera to the right and get that C stack completely in there. Have the edges of your frame be not interesting aspects like, or not necessarily not interesting, but, um, I guess a better word would be not detailed. You know, you don't want something that's highly detailed, highly colored, highly contrasted. None of that on the edge of your frame. It distracts from the center of your frame takes away from what is in the middle. That is something that maybe I'm like, just so that's just a pet peeve of mine, but I pay so much attention. I honestly probably pay more attention to the edges of my frame than I do the center of the frame when I'm out shooting. I want things to enter and exit my frame clearly. You know, I don't want anything that is highly detailed on the edges. A lot of times I'm trying to pay attention to like, okay, there's a leading line there. I want that to exit perfectly on the corner and you can fix some of this stuff in post-processing, but it's always nice to get it right in the field. So do pay attention to the edge of your frame. I think that's going to help you a ton. And if you notice, uh, look at your favorite photographer's work or, or just a well-known photographer. I mean, there's a lot of them on Instagram. Look at any of the people that have been shooting for a long time. Look at the edges of their frame. And I can't guarantee, but before I said this, I looked at, at quite a few photographer's works and you won't find anything distracting on the edge of their frame. Um, this is something that isn't really often said. It's not really a photography rule, but it is something that I think a lot of people that have been shooting a long time are doing, and they don't really even maybe realize they're doing it. Um, and if you're not doing it, hopefully this will make you now think about it the next time you're out. So always pay attention to the edges of your frame. I want to take a break from today's episode and talk about a really cool opportunity if you are a beginner or intermediate photographer that is really serious about taking better photos and getting better at photography. 
Now, usually about four to six times a year, I teach in-person workshops around the Western United States centered around helping you become a better photographer. Now, my workshops are kept to just five people, which means that you will get plenty of one-on-one -on -one attention. So regardless of your skill level, whether you just picked up your first camera or whether you've been shooting for 15 years, I promise you, you're going to get so much out of it. I'm going to cater the class directly to you. Best of all, after the workshop, I'm going to add you to my alumni group on Facebook where you can get literally weekly image feedback. We can connect at all times. Uh, when the workshop is over, it's not done. I'm still going to be your mentor. I'm going to be there to help you and become better at photography. Now, like I said, if you're serious about becoming better at photography, don't wait any longer. Register for one of my workshops this year. You can visit austinjamesjackson.com slash workshops. That link will be down below in the podcast description that you can click on as well. I really can't wait to see you guys out there. All right, mistake number four, uh, not paying attention to the natural contrast in the scene. Now, bear with me. This might take a little explaining, but essentially natural contrast is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about like two objects that overlap. This isn't a contrast slider in Lightroom. It's not like the bright sky versus the dark foreground. It's, it's where two objects meet. Now, one of the, if you look at my work, especially from Utah, I've got a lot of trees that intersect into the sky. Now, I could frame those differently. I could have the tree in the foreground not intersect the sky, but I have it intersect the sky because that, it's very high contrast. That foreground is dark and that sky is bright, um, and I haven't done anything to create that effect. That's just natural contrast that naturally occurs in the scene, and that creates a little bit more compelling of an image. One thing I see all the time is things, there's photographers that overlap certain objects that just doesn't look good. If two objects are overlapping, are over overlap. I can't even talk. If two objects are overlapping, they're crossing over each other and no, they're not like literally overlapping, but I'm talking about, uh, it, like from your point of view, from your camera's point of view, since you're taking a two dimensional image, if objects overlap, they need to have serious contrast. You cannot, you absolutely cannot have two objects that are similar in color, similar in brightness, overlapping in your scene, especially if they're like important subjects. You know, I just saw, um, a photo on Instagram where someone had done, and the photo looks great to be honest, but I personally would have maybe adjusted their composition a touch. It was like this photo of this lighthouse in the distance. And in the foreground, there was like this little rope and the rope was right next to this tree branch. And it was just like this tree branch, like in the foreground, it was really cool. And the rope, they had it so that it like for like half of the section of the rope, it overlapped the tree. And had they gotten six inches higher or six inches lower, or maybe a foot or two, but either way you get the point that, that, uh, rope would not have overlapped the tree. It would have overlapped the ocean and the rest of the tree would have also overlapped the ocean, creating more contrast. In my opinion, it would have created a lot more, um, compelling image. And this is something that I made the mistake of a lot. Um, especially when I started photography, you know, I know there's a lot of landscape photographers listening to this podcast. Um, if you also take some photos of people, which I guess you could call it like landscape or adventure or whatever you want to call it. Let's not get in the technicalities of it. 
but that is the classic example of why you see like people wearing yellow rain jackets or red rain jackets are doing that because it's it's contrasts with the environment so they pop they stand out a lot that subject stands out now one thing um if you like i've taken a few photos when i've been backpacking where I zoom into the subject and there's a big mountain that fills the frame and a little subject. And if there's snow on the mountain, you always want to overlap your subject with the snow. So the snow is right behind them because the subject is dark. The snow is white and that creates a lot of contrast and it makes it the image more compelling. So think about natural contrast in your scene. Think about how you can create more of it, how you can utilize more of it in your scene. Um, and I think you'll be happy. You'll be creating a lot better photos. This isn't something that you can like reproduce in post-processing. It doesn't matter how much you yank that contrast slider or the curves or, or the levels adjustment or whatever. You can't recreate this. You know, this is a composition thing. You got to get it right in the field and you can of course add contrast or take away contrast, but you will not get as good of a photo if you don't think about natural contrast in the field. All right. Now this last, uh, composition mistake number five, I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I kind of feel like it is, but let me know if it is or not. Send me a DM or an email or something. I read all your guys's DMS and emails and stuff, but I think a huge mistake is taking photos just to take photos. Now, I'm torn on this one because obviously you got to take a lot of photos in order to like hone your craft and get good. But there's a lot of times that all, and if you've been a landscape photographer for long, I'm positive this has happened to you. You know, the conditions are subpar, the skies are blue, you're bummed. Um, you know, you don't have your telephoto to shoot any cool shots like that. So you just leave your wide angle on, you just snap photos cause you're like, well, blue sky, whatever. I'll just take photos cause I'm here. The problem is if you know yourself and I know myself, I won't edit those photos. I'm just going to throw them away at some point. They're just going to sit and clog up my catalog, my Lightroom catalog for, for months until I finally decide to delete them. Um, and I'll have to waste my time culling through to find the actual good shots. So like I said, a lot of you guys might be thinking, well, no, no, like if you're out there, you might as well just shoot, just practice, whatever, whatever, whatever. But talking to a lot of photographers, especially people that come out to my workshops, everybody has a backlog of photos, including myself. You know, you've got 250 or 2,500 or 25,000 photos on your Lightroom catalog or on your on one catalog or Luminar catalog or whatever they, whatever you edit in, whatever they call it. You've just got these photos sitting there. And there's so many photos, it's almost overwhelming. I, and I have this myself. I've probably right now got like 250 photos in my editing folder in Lightroom Classic. And there's a lot that are subpar photos that I probably just should not have even taken anyways. But I'm like letting them sit there until maybe I get inspired. Um, and newsflash, you are probably not going to get inspired at it. Then they're just going to sit there and you're going to procrastinate and not want to edit them, not want to cull through your photos. Um, and so for that reason, I think like, don't just take photos or take photos, take photos when there's a great shot or when you think there might be a good shot. But if you know that like the conditions are subpar, I'm not going to do anything with these photos. Don't just snap photos just because you're there. Understand. And this is one thing that I've had to learn a lot, which has made photography a lot less frustrating. I mean, I love going outside, but I'm a very, um, 
productive driven person. Like I love going outside and I love that I can do photography outside because it makes me feel like my outside time is productive. Um, which everything I do, I always feel like has to be productive. I think I, I like, I might have a problem so somebody can maybe diagnose me, but, um, I, I used to just be so frustrated when I go outside. I, like I said, I love going outside, loved hanging out, but I'm like, man, I didn't get any good photos. This sucks. I I'm frustrated with myself. So over time I finally had to learn that like some trips are just scouting and that's okay. You know, I, I might go out to a location and I might not get good conditions, but I'm going to use that time to scout so that I can come back and hopefully get good conditions next time. You got to understand it's okay to have a scouting trip. It's okay to have a scouting mission. Um, you totally don't need to feel obligated. Like you have to produce every single time you go out. Um, and really like you don't have to be getting tons and tons of good photos. I probably would say right now, and keep in mind, this is my full-time job. I sit here and make YouTube videos and podcasts and write articles for companies and all that good stuff and, and, and take photos. I mean, all my whole life is centered around photography and the outdoors is really all I do. And I probably would say I get maybe 25, maybe 30 good images a year. And I probably get five to 10 that I feel like are really superb, like add it to my all-time portfolio images. That's not a lot folks. I mean, we're averaging less than one a month, uh, maybe two, two or three a month when it comes to like decent photos, but less than one, like incredible photo, um, per month. So don't feel like you can't have a scouting trip. Don't feel like you need to produce every single trip. Um, and don't take photos just to take photos in my opinion. Like I said, if that's a hot take, let me know, shoot me an email. Uh, I'd love to hear from you guys and, and hear what you think about that. And if you have any tips of your own, of course, um, I'd love to hear about those as well. I want to thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the learn landscape photography podcast. Um, I hope this helped you out. I think it certainly would have helped me out a ton. I wish I had this information when I was starting to shoot, uh, 10 years ago or whatever. I don't even know how old I am at this point. It's, uh, however many years ago I started to shoot. I wish I had something like this to listen to. I hope it's helpful for you guys. Hopefully when you're listening to this, you're like on your way to your next location. Um, I mean, how great would that be to, to actually put these practices into use? But unfortunately, I think a lot of you guys are probably listening to this on your morning or evening commute. But either way, um, thank you again for listening so much. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast if that's even a thing. Um, I really don't know how podcasts work, to be honest. But do whatever you got to do. Get the episodes every week. I really try hard to have episodes by myself every other week that are super, super valuable, have a lot of great information. And then in the other weeks, uh, every other other week, I guess, uh, I try and have some really, really high quality guests on. We've got a lot of talent, had a lot of talent last year in 2023, and I've got a lot of great people slated to be on the podcast this year. So much talent, people that I think can really offer a lot to us to help us improve our photography. So thank you guys so much. Again, I feel like I've said that like six times, but this is the last time. Thank you so much for listening to the Learn Landscape Photography Podcast. We'll catch you guys all next time.